1: to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome back to Inside the Mind of Champions. I hope you're well wherever you are. And I just wanted to say a heartfelt thank you for the deluge of messages I received about the Remembering Shane Warne episode. I really hoped it helped you to process the tragic news and to remember the King for his incredible spirit and the impact he had on all of us. He was truly one of a kind. And I've been speaking to a few of the lads that he played with and worked with and the message is absolutely universal. It seems like he inspired so many people, whether they met him and spent quality time with him or not. And that outpouring of love and support has gone way beyond anything we could possibly have imagined. I'll continue to share his video interviews and his audio clips in my work, and I know his legacy will continue to inspire thousands of people in the years to come. This week, I've taken a section of a recent Members Club event that we held, where we met England rugby star Will Greenwood, MBE. He entertained our members royally on a lunchtime Zoom call and answered their personal questions brilliantly. I've selected the first section of the interview for us today. Will recently released a great book called World Class, which he wrote with another one of our mates, Ben Fennell, who is the former CEO of a global advertising agency, BBH. I'll add a link in the show notes to the book in case you want to buy it. As you'll hear, Will was bursting with energy and his answers sometimes sidestepped my questions, just like he did his opponents on the rugby field but there's some funny one-liners, some practical tips and some rich wisdom in this. So fasten your seatbelts, we're going straight in. It's a great privilege and pleasure actually to welcome Will. Um, He's a mate of mine from university, he's gone on and done absolutely stellar things, you would never have known it from university, that's all I'll say, we'll come to that in a moment, but really incredible what he's achieved on and off the field and I can't wait to hear more from him. He's an England rugby player, a slinky centre, a brilliant player, British and Irish Lions, charity ambassador. He's had an absolutely amazing career in the media as well. And his latest um, book is absolutely fantastic, world-class, how to lead, learn and grow like a champion. So I'm sure all the avid learners in our membership, whether you're watching this live or um, on demand, then you'll love to share that with your network. So world-class, definitely. And that leads us to introduce the great man himself, Will. Welcome.
0: Hi, Jeremy. You call me Will. you never called me Will. You used to be Shaggy, weren't you? That was right. The cartoon character. Um, I basically I have, a lo- I have a long face. Jason Leonard, front row forwards, uh, a strange piece. You see, once they've got hold of a joke that they like, they will repeat it ad nauseam, and he would come down for breakfast, whichever tour we were on, and go, Shaggy, why the long face? Always just called called me Mr. Ed, the horse. I was uh, the Welsh fans in Brisbane in 2003. Five lads from Ponty. Ponty Pool gave me the nickname that I'm now most commonly known as, Rodney Trotter. Uh, uh, Jim Telfer called me a lighthouse in a desert. Uh, Brilliant, but utterly useless uh and 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 they and so they go on, so a bit like I think it's Dion Sanders from the NFL. when I mean, he was so cool and so good, I think he was one of the great cornerbacks. I think he gave himself his own nickname neon Dion. I thought, I'll, I need to dictate I think I need to dictate the terms of engagement. So people call me Greens now. I insist on being sort of called Greens, which removes the ability to call me any one of the forty seven nicknames I've picked that- up basically at, at one a year.
1: What I like about that is you've actually toned down that neon element, which suggests fast, vibrant, dynamic, and just made it a little bit more.
0: Well, I live for I live. There's a I can't remember when I read the phrase. And unfortunately, I read it whilst I lived with imposter syndrome. That's listening to one of those, reading one of those questions throughout my entire international career. And I picked up a phrase which is the strong take from the weak, but the smart take from the strong. Uh, And I wish someone had told me that. When I was 18, I'm not trying to be smart as in I was Durham University, economics graduate, that sort of stuff. I'm talking about, in, in my world, street smart. I'm looking at, uh, you know, the England team's just been announced. And I see athletes, I see wonderful skill sets. I see left-hand passes going 45 yards. The challenge for this bunch of lads, we've got stacks and stacks of physical assets is can they win a street fight? Do they know? And I look at the Welch, eight, seven, eight, nine, Tane Basham, Talupo, and Tomas Williams, and I go, I'd like to be in a scrap with them. And you go, well, what's that got to do with a game of rugby? Well, winning isn't linear. Winning isn't, I don't know, if we put these two building blocks in place, it's it's adjusting. It's having a relentless consistency about what you're doing, which is what he might have, but a willingness to change according to what's in front of you. And it was the only thing that kept me alive on a rugby field was to be surrounded by athletes who could do everything I couldn't do. But allows me now, hopefully not in a boxer's tone, but when when I talk about it in the book, you need to understand what's my work on, what's my strength, and what's my super strength. And you've got to be confident enough to say to your team, my super strength is... And I never had the confidence to say it as a player, but I'm telling you now, my super strength on the rugby field is I can see what's going to happen in three phases time. Don't ask me to go that that I know that, I know I'm supposed to, if it's a off-the-top line-out, Tindall smashing it up, I'm the inside side. I know I'm supposed to go there. Baki, do me a favour. Cover me there. Because I've just spotted something on the short side the way, they're, the way they're doing it. And it's that ability, that trust between teammates to go, here's the challenge, here's the opportunity. Um, and I'm just going to change and allow myself to use what I consider my strength as opposed to be a round peg in a square hole. And I think why Clive was amazing. There's, a, there's another, you know, you pick up all these brilliant orators and writers uh, and try and sort of embellish and borrow their phrases. And I, and I heard, you know, you've always, I was always told, treat people as if you would like to be treated. I think that's wrong. I think you need to treat people as if they would like to be treated. And you've got to take the time to find out about your work colleagues and your teammates to understand if you know the person, you know the player. You're tough on the issue, but you're soft on the person. And just some of the things we we approached uh, with my author, who I must mention at some stage in this conversation was a brilliant man is a brilliant man, fantastic leader himself, global CEO. Um, Yeah, uh, and it's allowed us to to bring it together in sort of 15 chapters.
1: Brilliant. So so you've covered loads in that first uh, intro there, but part part of that thing about the the players having this wisdom, if you like, and this creativity, Um, you you grew up in a sporty family and, and had loads of different sports when you were starting out can you just give her give us a picture of
0: yeah yeah. so so remind me sport but actually of more relevance to it yes there were sports but of more relevance i i i think sport may have been their chosen topic but i think that is far too binary about the family i grew up in i grew up in a family of problem solvers now That by definition means you've got a lot of problems and that's another conversation for another time. But we were constantly, we, yes, sport, and I'll come on to my dad and my mum as coaches and teachers, but everything was a riddle. Everything was a puzzle. Everything was a challenge. Nothing was given. Here's the opportunity. How do we get from A to B? In a supermarket, the, the posh waitrose up north is called Booth's, don't know if you've ever been to a booth, It has a great cheese aisle. And uh, if, if things were all right at work, once a month we'd go to booths. And I spent my life in a, in a maths quiz with Mum. Like we bought four bananas at 28p, two pints of milk at 73p. We came with a tenner. How much change we got? Come on, by the time we get to aisle four, I needed to know that. So everything was always cards all the time. So, and then that translated into chess. My dad knocked me out on a rugby field, teaching me how to drift defend. And in 2003, we beat New Zealand, in New Zealand, we had a midfield scrum. And they came around the corner, uh, they came around the corner with Marshall, Spencer, Nonu, Umaga, uh, Sivivatu and Howlett. was a decent backline, right? Uh, and I was on the short side, 20 yards out with Ben Cole. You're thinking, try all day long. Now, me and Ben, no one ever scored by short, so tuck in, invite them into the space, send them down Muggs Alley, into out, into out, into out, press, smash them in the corner. Has it gone over? gone, bloody hell, Grange over Sands, 1989, dad knocking me out. That's what he was trying to tell me without actually telling me what he was doing. Um, so, my dad was an England captain, uh, remarkably unsuccessful. Dad was an England coach. Uh, he probably stay remarkably unsuccessful. Um, but I thought he was brilliant. He was a brilliant rugby player uh, at a time when England were a shambles. He was a brilliant coach at a time when England couldn't beat an egg. Um, and he, on the sports pitch, and my mum in the classroom um, were constantly on at me to be the best version of myself. Talk about aggregation and marginal gains with Brailsford and Clive doing 100 things 1% better. That's just that's just what I grew up in. And that's why, so I, I, I know this isn't meant to be a memory test. I, I brought the book with me. That's why my dedication that we did was this book is dedicated to every single person out there who's trying to get better. Um, and that's all we've ever tried to do. You know, I coach at Maidenhead. Lads. 7.30, we arrive at 9 o'clock. Can we just be slightly better when we finish? So now we have some fun, and that's that's at the heart of this book, to, to, to be a tool with 15 different ideas, chapters that we really explore. You can go back to the best photos we've had a uh, people sending in, post-it notes stuck in with a pink marker pen on it. Love the bit that you've said here, I'm going to try that. that. We wanted to create so that it's not just entertaining, Sure. That's helpful. There's a million great sports books. There's a million great business books. And some of them I've read and I've loved them. We wanted to try and bring something together. that was a book about both because to say everything, to say business can learn from sport is right. To say sport can learn from business is correct. And with Ben's authority in the business world and my knowledge and access to, to some absolute titans of sport, we went about aggregating our own thoughts over the course of a year in London.
1: So what, what um, when you look back at your own career and the people you've met <clears throat> and the people you've interviewed for the book, we talk a lot in the business about the winning mindset, which is one of these umbrella terms and it's got you know, everything underneath. You hear mental toughness, you hear resilience, you've got your sort of world-class framework. What do you think are the key psychological attributes of the, the top class performers in sport and business? What, what kind of attributes do they share?
0: So I came off a sports field on Tuesday afternoon. I spent um, Sky, as you know, I've lost a lot of rights in, in, in rugby. Uh, BT do a great job. Amazon, just starting out. Uh, six Nations, terrestrial, totally get it. So slowly but surely, um, over the course of five or six years, uh, my weekend work has sort of shifted and changed and morphed. I've started to explore some different opportunities I'm now a Chief Customer Officer at the offices I'm in now, Millbank Tower for an AI company uh, and in amongst that transition I did some voluntary math teachings and some voluntary coaching just because I didn't want to play five rounds of golf a week whilst I was working out what the next challenge is. Anyway, I've continued to do a little bit of coaching uh, at school level for those that are interested, it's, it's Wellington College uh, it's about 15 minutes from my house and um, I got asked, uh, one of the lads asked me that question that, on Tuesday, um, and I've tried to think of a really clever answer, uh, and actually, what the theme I keep coming back with all of them is, just, com- just competitive. It, it might seem like Martin Johnson hated losing, and, and he did hate losing, but actually just wanted to compete he didn't. He knew occasionally he'd find a bigger dog, and we'd get beat. And we'd find a bit. But make sure if you get beat in anything, get beat by a better team. And my wife's always saying, well, "You're always so competitive." I'm like, "I'm not." I'm oh, sorry. You always, you always wanted to win. And I go, "No, you phrased that wrong." I always want to be competitive. If I'm going to play a game of cards, why am I going to let Arch, my elders, why am I going to let him win? If I've got a better hand than him, you know what? what, what it'll be like have I have a one. You know so. And it's not about beating people for the sake of beating people. It's about, if you play a game of touch and you're preparing for the Roslyn Park Sevens and you've only got six sessions to do, six sessions, there are 75 minutes each, right? That's seven and a half hours. You've only got seven, and you think, oh, I've got four weeks till that time, five weeks No, no, no. You've got seven and a half hours, that's it. So why are we wasting? Um, and why are we not trying to find... So anyway, long answer to a shortage question, but there are so many different people that have different answers to that. And I know there's 41 leaders in business here who would have a variation. that. And by the way, the the, the book is just a a collection of ideas. Feedback for me is is the greatest gift. And I'm happy to argue, debate, have a collision-rich discussion about it. But for me, when I look at people like Dave Lewis at Cisco, Dana Strong, ex-Comcast, now Sky, uh, some of the people interviewed, Helen Richardson Walsh, michael johnson you just see people who just do you know what i might get beat but i tell you what they're gonna to have to be bloody good to beat me and that's what i like
1: What well, you know one of the things i i've picked up from you and following your social media stuff i know you've been with ben and we'll talk about ben in a second your co-author um is the discipline you know i think we talk a lot about how talented athletes are don't we and we sort of say, "Oh you know brilliant gift, but actually the resilience and the discipline that people have to have to come back from injury and to keep coming back after setbacks that's the thing that actually yeah. I find most inspirational. And, and I guess the question for you is, of the people that you've been seen really successful, how do they develop that discipline? And how do they stay committed to that life of excellence? Because I think we all like the idea of it. We all like the idea of training our bodies and having a professional development plan and growing a great business. But somewhere along the line, our motivation wanes and we just slow down or stop. So where does that drive and that that discipline comes from, do you think?
0: Well, what I love about that question is people normally say, where'd you get your motivation from? And I go, you're asking it in the wrong order. The right question is, the right order is discipline. And I say to my young lad who's, who's 12, He's just had the most spectacularly unsuccessful school rugby season his school have ever had. I mean, it's been soul-destroying. Played 10, lost 10, under thirteens, most of them, 10 tries to one. I mean, that's tough for those. He's like, and I just keep saying to him, you know what? Just get back on the start line. Have the discipline to get back on the start line, to lace up, to turn up. And what I've found... Through meeting some extraordinary people and interviewing some insane people who have been remarkably successful. You know, failure and growth are inextricably linked, right? And so all these great people at some stage, it's pretty rare that they haven't had an absolute shock of what they've realized: that failure is rarely fatal. And having that discipline and understanding that problems at four o'clock in the morning that you're keeping yourself up are rarely as big as they are when you get with your team and stick it on a whiteboard and talk about it. If you can have the discipline to be... The the way I joke about it with kids, you say, Mr Green, you know, sir, or or, great. What what were you like? I was like, I said, have you seen Shrek? And they go, yeah, I love Shrek. He said, I am Donkey, right? I am the kid at the back Just going, pick me. Stick me. You know, that's, that's that, that, what's going on. I mean, stick me under. I'll go I'll and yeah. give it a go. And, and I think the reality is, I can't sit here and say that's what I was always like, because you know that's not what I was always like. And I wish I had been, but actually, that's part of the fabric of who I was and my journey to discover that. So the reality is, I say, in terms of discipline, it's understanding that you, if you just get yourself on the start and you'll be amazed what that and your physical capacity can achieve. If you put yourself on the star line, Um, and the other one that uh, Dave Lewis talked about is failure is rarely fatal. I think I I don't want to misquote you. Might say failure is rarely catastrophic, and the great leaders mitigate the cost of that failure. Again, uh, uh, there's such in-depth questions that we've sort of explored. Apologies if there's sort of three or four minute answers to each Uh, one.
1: No, that's great, and and I guess you know, as you say, and, and I think that's part of the, everyone's story, you know, you don't always have this discipline that you keep through your life. And at uni, you know, we were a bit more relaxed than we ended up having to be in our, yeah. our international... Oh yeah, career. I
0: forgot, sorry, I forgot the other point on it, which was, uh, you've got to be kind to yourself on that. So discipline sounds like you're turning yourself into a Tibetan monk, right? It's tough. You know, we talked about, uh, we committed with Clive Woodward they brought a... Uh, Roz Kadir was a nutritionist and a guy called Dr. Adam Carey who's now set up a fabulous business called Core Life. I was just checking what is. One of his phrases put your own oxygen mask on first. Now, they came in and tried to change all our diet and they said, right. from now on, uh, seven days of the week, you are eating like Olympic athletes. And like Jason Leonard's go, dude... I've come from the amateur era. How many they they asked him a question, how many units of alcohol do you drink a week? Right. And he put 40 because he hadn't read the last sentence. And they went, oh, 40, Jason. That's not that's not bad. 20 pounds. He, over the course of a week, he went, Oh no, I thought you were asking for post match. <laughs> uh, you know, so we were trying to so you got to understand you can't go into certain environments, you can't go into a workplace with a uh, one of the great cricketing minds and go. <laughs> Right, we're going to train like Graham Smith now. Everyone in the office will look at you going, what are you talking about? I mean, uh, you're an idiot. This is me. So part of the discipline then is to, I'm not asking for em- ruinous empathy. I'm not asking for you to say, right, I, you, I want you all to one press-up a day. Woo, let's go. One press-up a day. We're, we're rocking it. You know, it's a load of shite. What I'm asking you is individually understand Uh, from your own perspective, on a work and uh, a cardio or an athletic perspective is set yourself challenges that you know are challenges, but don't set yourself stuff that you're going to give up on by January the 4th. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you'll know, and there's a balance. and, and, uh, And if you set off on those kinds of journeys with one or two ideas about what you might do, they're achievable, and then when you start to pick off little goals, you know what? You go, well, if I can do that, then I'll go there. But trying to, like again, back to Clive, phrasing stuff from him. I'm sure, he'll, I guarantee by the way, he'll have stolen it from someone else. But uh, he said, we won't do 100 things 1%. Uh, sorry, won't do one thing 100% better. We'll do 100 things 1% better. Uh, And I think in terms of discipline and motivation and surrounding yourself, its such a good topic, surrounding yourself with people, people say, oh, you've trained a lot. The reality is I've trained three times a week through lockdown. And I'm telling you now, if I didn't have a WhatsApp group from Durham, where there's six lads from Durham, different sizes, different ways, different athletic abilities, saying, Tuesday 7am Thursday we were on at 7am this morning Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday when we can you're on and I woke up at 6, 20 past 6 this morning and I, like I told you I've been for a pint with a Durham mate last night a separate Durham mate had a couple of beers uh, I come in I'm having a you know for authenticity's sake uh, work's tough at the moment and I'm, I'm learning to, to, to understand how we can get ourselves out of different situations I'm thinking, I don't fancy this. And be like, oh, you're yeah, a World Cup winner. You're been North Pole. I'm like, no, it was train this morning. I could not be asked. I'm going to press the snooze button here. There's no chance it. But actually, by surrounding myself with people who I knew would be on the court at 7, waiting, or, and they'd be dropping a note, where are you? Where are you? What's going on? The link, the Zoom link, are you coming? Bang, I'm up. And you know what? By getting on the start line, guess what? I put in a cracking session this morning. Then me and Dorphins had been released. Uh, and I'm loving it And look at you now yeah and actually I saw a girl on the tube today by the way great jumper great jumper she's walking down she's on uh, where was I was changing platforms Oxford Circus to get on the Victoria Line and she had a great uh, sweatshirt that just said endorphin dealer uh, and I just thought what well, you know I want to be a and I was like I'm going to get one of those printed. I want to be an endorphin dealer. I'll, every time I come in the office, I don't necessarily want to be DuraSub. Not, not everything's great all the time. But uh, positive mindset, I know you talk a lot, I listen to a lot of these positive mindset uh, allows you to achieve so much more. I know it rains sometimes in life, shit. I get that. You can't be positive all the time. You have to try and maintain a positive outlook, positive frame of mind about what the next challenge and opportunity. I hate Mondays, hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them. My missus, it's her favourite day of the week. Bounces out of bed on a Monday. woo let's go, new week, new page. I'm like, oh, and it drags me with it. So, you know, finding that your, your life partner, your training partners, your work, colleagues, your tribe. Finding your tribe is just so critical to getting up and going again and having a laugh
1: doing it. So this point that Will makes about surrounding yourself with great people who can keep you inspired, motivated and honest to those daily disciplines is where I'd love to help you. Our members platform is a pioneering digital coaching experience where you can access world class video insights in seconds. You don't need to spend hours looking across YouTube. I spoke to a leader in the pharmaceutical industry who's one of our members. She's a team leader in a big organisation. She starts every one of her Monday meetings with one of our two minute video insights on topics like growth mindset, resilience, agility and innovation. She does it every week and she streams the short clip across her Microsoft Teams meeting and then her 20 direct reports get a sharp dose and a provocative question to think about of this high performance inspiration to set up their week. So it could be Eddie Jones in your team meeting. It could be Gareth Southgate. It could be a leading neuroscientist talking about creativity. So all of that can be part of your personal and team toolkit. Here's a little bit more information.
2: During times of uncertainty and pressure, your mindset will be the key to your success. Sporting Edge members have unlimited personal access to hundreds of video insights and performance strategies to accelerate their personal and professional success. This is your chance to get powerful weekly micro-lessons from the world's best thinkers and performers from elite sport. You'll be able to connect with a global network of entrepreneurs, coaches, and senior executives on webinars, discussion forums, and events. Become a Sporting Edge member and get access to the world's best coaches on demand. For more information, visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com
1: so that's my offer to you it's free for a month there's no need for your credit card just join us and see the power of the content for yourself and your team go to sportingedge.com look for the membership and then use the code podcast 100 to activate your free pass now let's get back to the interview with will and see if he's still on fire with excitement and wisdom that uh, environment that you were in, that world-class environment of uh, 2003, you know, incredible leadership access of you know Clive and John O, brilliant leaders. You got all those senior leaders yourself included in that. What what do you think were the key characteristics of that team that helped everyone to to take the next step up? Because obviously you you changed history there by being the first Northern Hemisphere team to win it.
0: Yeah. Uh... A million things. Uh, let me pick one. That I, wrote. I think we were very selfless, as I'd say. Jono didn't really want the captaincy badge, so like, he talked about regulars. All I did was toss the coin, uh, and we know—I mean, you know from the outside—but I definitely know from the inside. It's like, dude, you did way more than toss a coin. You set the tone. Uh, you. Absolutely demanded competitiveness in everything we did. You demanded the best out of each other the whole time. But you keep coming back to that ability to be, do you know what? I'm the I'm the lead singer of the band right now. I need to step up and I need to win this line out. And right now I'm back in drummer. I'm just back in doing my little bits, right? Who's lead singer? And that ability to understand and just constantly be fluid and subservient. To a different person at different time when different things are needed, was really, really special in that. And when you think about, I think my vocabulary is okay. When you think about the alpha males in that group, you'd you go, oh, that, that really they were prepared to step aside. Delalio stepped aside. Yeah, I mean, he didn't step aside when it was time to give the big East End team talk. You know, when he wanted to become Lenny McClay, this is Mark Governor bring all your tools it's going to be a street fight tonight like, oh, here we go long here we go and then Neil Back so I always called Lawrence like Bill Sykes from Oliver Twist uh, the, the big cudgeon and alongside him I think Bill Sykes' dog was called Bullseye right? he was always following Sykes like Neil Back was like Bullseye jumping along go on long go on long Lon, jumping up the knee high uh, and those sorts of characters so that was in his patch and then uh, so, that selflessness, that understanding, which we didn't have, by the way, to begin with. So, again, I can't reinvent the wheel or rewrite history. The players weren't like that to begin with. That culture was hugely helped by training with the Royal Marines, by understanding that a lot of teams and business, businesses use social charters, teamship charters. Our code of conduct, having been told by the Royal Marines in 2000, by the commandant, giving Clive a piece of paper with six names on it, going, I wouldn't go to war with those six fellas. And i like, whoa. And Clive going, oh, some of my best players. <laughs> what, what, what do I do now? But the reality was we'd never written it down. We'd never taken the time to find out what makes people tick. Going back to knowing the, knowing the player or get the player, get the heart. Uh, get the heart, get the player. Scott Robertson. Brilliant. Um, but by... Not having any frameworks, any parameters, there was. I'm the biggest dog in the playground, and this is my turn. Actually, by creating a teamship charter and a set of a standard of behaviors, not a set of rules, a standard of behaviors that was expected to be lived by everyone in that team environment, suddenly created a one where it was much more about the 35 man squad than. 15 that squad and, and my, one of my favorite stories you know I, I, I do realize i'm it's 19 years now since i realized that there's a shelf life but to some of the stories and then actually there are others like just chatting to one of the england coaches yesterday rugby i said look up front i want to say this now just because it's old do not mean it's good right I need you to think about when we're having this conversation. We're watching these clips, but I also need you or you to buy in just because it's new. Don't make it better. Um, and uh, just get me back on track. What was I talking about then? I've gone off on old and better. Yeah, I know you were listening.
1: We talk- We were talking about um, the team of two thousand three. And- oh yes, sorry. And the
0: director. story I go back to, which I which, which is relevant. So I get. I can't go into this England backline now. And so I, I probably could, you but. And, and tell them how to run a move. But that it's a new set of coaches. I, I would do some of the things slightly different. There was a couple of bats moves where Slade, taking too much space there. I mean, going out the back, catch, pass, kick, gone, mailing scores. So all that, I could get technical. But actually, um, what's more relevant is stories um, like when the team for the World Cup quarterfinal in 1999 was announced... The lads not in the fifteen went out on the smash in Paris. Not my team. Not bothered. I'm not playing. Not about me. Who gives a monkey's? Who gives a rat's ass? I'm gone. He's never. You yeah. know, 2003, Manly Pacific Hotel flip chart goes back. Fifteen lads on the flip chart. Fifteen lads. I mean, you know, wanting to but not like trying to trying to act cool. Act cool. You just won the lottery and you like go do nothing because I know there's fifteen and, Five leaves room and the first 15 lads on their feet and the first person to shake my hand was my cat. I go, Shaggy, you know my number, you know my room. Anything you need in the next 72 hours that wins this for us. Mate, I'm your water carrier and that sort of stuff. And that, that sort of stuff wasn't possible without experiences like the Marines, without looking under different rocks to find different solutions to then understand what massive vacuum we had in terms of collective knowledge of each other and behaviours and signals to when I'm drifting from competitive to I'm going to punch you in the face, that's not good. Stay competitive, leave Red Mist and people being able to pick up on those and remove people from situations or give people the floor more, they're, they're starting to hit their optimal zone of individual performance here, let just that call, cancel that call, he's having it. He's currently seeing everything. And that ability, those sorts of stories. I might get called Uncle Albert one day telling the you know Rodney Trot story and that sort of stuff. But those sorts of stories are relevant to, to, to any organization. And what was great in the book was to speak to some to, we did how I many we do? 80. World-class individuals from business and sport we spoke to. Uh, And that'd be Alan Jopert, Unilever, Carolyn McCall, Dana. I've mentioned some of them, Michael Holden, Michael Johnson, Ellen and Kate Richardson Walsh. And whilst they never used our exact words, and we were happy to have our hypothesis really tested. A lot of the words they used allowed us to be confident in talking about a maths equation in a way where if you celebrate difference, forge togetherness, you will accelerate your own growth, individually
1: and collectively. Let's just play that back. If you celebrate difference, forge togetherness, and then you'll accelerate your own growth individually and collectively. That's quite a flourish from Will to reflect on. I think I need to break that down into some smaller chunks. So what he's saying is that if you celebrate individual difference, That means that people can bring their own ideas, their own debates from their own experiences and and preferences, their beliefs, their life stage, their gender. You've got people who are bringing that cognitive diversity to the workplace. That's going to help us to make stronger decisions because we've got different perspectives covered off. But we don't just want a load of different people. Otherwise, we're going to end up with cliques and and everyone pulling in different directions. So we need to forge togetherness, which is by a shared goal, a shared purpose, and that culture, which makes us feel that sense of belonging. We're part of the blue team. We're part of the sales team. We're part of the red team. This is how we operate. Those cultural values being lived out and storytelling is a classic way to make people feel like they belong in that team. And then when you've got those conditions and this quest for constant improvement where individuals are being supported to be the best they can be, but also challenged to be better this week than they were last week, that's when we start to see individuals raising the game and you get that healthy internal competition to come up with the best ideas and and move things forward. And when we get the whole team bubbling with that level of striving and innovation that's when we see the whole standard starting to rise up every day. So this is exactly what a high-performance culture sounds like and feels like, whether you're in sport or business. It's not cosy, it's challenging, but it gives you a great sense of community as well, and that you're striving to achieve something special together. Now, I'm sure Will, Shaggy, Donkey, or whatever you want to call him, felt that in that World Cup winning team that he played in. But that's the quest for all of us to try and build and replicate that environment for our own sports teams our own schools our own hospitals our own businesses wherever we work and try and strive for excellence we all want to feel like that because that's where we have such pride not only as we're going through that process of building but also as we look back at the things we've achieved over our lives i feel really privileged to be your guide as we start to chase down that goal and I'll be introducing you to some of the amazing people that I get to meet. I know we've got some brilliant interviews planned in the weeks ahead. So remember, if you'd like to meet them in our digital platform, go to SportingEdge.com and activate your free month's membership using the code PODCAST100 at checkout. I'd love to support your business as well, whether you are need a conference speech or some digital content to accelerate your change initiatives. Just drop me a note through to hello at SportingEdge.com. And you can also use that email address if you've got any ideas for the future shows. I'd love to make this a great coaching resource for you as well. So please do email me. I'd love to help. If you're enjoying the show, please do uh, leave a five-star rating on the way out. It helps massively in the rankings and the ability for people to find the show amongst the thousands of podcasts that are out there. As ever, I really appreciate your time for listening. Enjoy the drive, the dog walk or the time just jotting down ideas your own future success. Until next time, good luck.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.